Welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Welcome everyone. Happy New Year, particularly those of you that are watching us online this very moment. We want to welcome you and pray that the same sense of the presence of God we have here, you'll feel right there where you're watching too. Thank you for joining us today. It's so good to see all of you. Hey, you can pat yourself on the back. You made the first day of the year a priority to be in the house of God. That's fantastic. That's really awesome. I mean, that's really getting the year started right. Amen? Yes, yeah, really getting the year. This is a special week for us. This week, Nancy and I will do something that we've done for 28 years in, the ro- in a row. We'll take the first week of the year and consecrate it to God. And so these are moments in our church life. They're markers in people's lives. They're markers in our lives of what God did, what God was doing, what God was saying. And my prayer and hope is that every one of us will have an encounter with God. Maybe it'll be uh, as you're walking in and greeting a friend. Maybe it'll be during the worship time. Maybe it'll be during the time of hearing God's Word. Or maybe it'll come at the ministry time or during prayer, noon prayer on Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Perhaps it'll come when you're leaving and walking out with someone. But I'm praying that every one of us will have an encounter with the living God this week, right? Have an encounter with the living God. One moment in God's presence, one moment, one encounter like that can change the whole trajectory of your life. And we have so many testimonies of so many people who have had that kind of life-changing thing. Hey, it's great to be here. Let me read the scriptures to you this morning from Hosea chapter 10. The Bible says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. This is a passage of scripture that we have looked to now for two decades, over two decades, because there's some really important truths behind this passage of scripture. The first is, is so for yourself righteousness. That is, if you'll do the right thing, if you'll do the right thing, one of the things we're talking about this, this uh, today is really just gathering together as a spiritual family for one week out of the year. 52 weeks in the whole year coming up. We're just going to take one of them, one out of 52, and be together. Here's what the Bible says. If you'll sow for yourself right, if you'll do what's right, then you will reap in mercy. That means that all the things that you're troubled about, all the things that have to get done, all the things that while really require your attention and steal your attention away from being consecrated to God, he says God will have mercy on you on all those things. He'll, in other words, he'll take care of it. Somebody needs to take a deep breath and say, boy, that's good to know. Yeah, take a deep breath. That's good to know. He says, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground that hasn't been tilled in a while. You know, what we used to do on the farm is, is that every couple of years, we would, we would come in with a breaking plow, and we'd break up the ground. And with that breaking ground, it would turn over a big section of earth so that the nutrients underneath would begin to do some things in the crops that we were planted that wouldn't have done had we just left the ground hard. And so we till that, that uh, break up that fallow ground so that the seed of God's word gets into your heart, gets into your life, and really takes root there. Break up your fallow ground, 
Why? Because it's time to seek the Lord. I don't think anybody in here would argue with that truth. It's time to seek the Lord. There's no better time than now. You say, well, gosh, if this had just been next week, it'd be so much easier. Uh, let me tell you, there is no easy time. There is no good time. That's why we do it right now. And thank God, look, all the major college football stuff is not till next Monday. So c- calm down. It's going to be okay. We're going to get to all that. But this coming week, me, you, Nancy, all of our pastors, all of our staff, all of our leaders, and everyone in here today, and all of you that are listening this, uh, today by uh, our live stream, we're going to seek the Lord this week. We're going we're gonna to make, we're going to consecrate this week. That means to set it aside and spend time with the Lord. And <clears throat> so every year since 1996, we've taken the first full week of the year to worship him, to hear what he's saying to us about the coming year. And we think it's significant that we do this the first week of the year because what we're really saying is we're going to put God first this year. We're going to put him first in our life. Look, we've had enough years of putting us first, right? That hadn't worked out so well with everybody. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and put him first, right? And how do we start that? Just by gathering as a family this week, being together. I believe what will happen is it will reboot your spiritual life. Sometimes, I don't know, I get on my phone and just, just it's not working right. It's not, I'm trying everything. And what I've noticed is, is that if I will turn it off and turn it right back on, It'll work fine. It's why, because it needs to be rebooted. And some of our spiritual lives, we need to be rebooted. Yeah, it's just all the raw materials there, all the opportunities there, but something's just not working. Well, this week is a time to reboot your spiritual life, to restart your spiritual engine, to refresh your soul. And here's a good one, to reset your priorities to reset your priorities. That is to align your heart with God's plan for your life so that you'll be spiritually prepared for the coming year. Now, that's what this week is all about. And uh, it's an exciting week. It's an exciting time because there's so many opportunities for you to be in the presence of the Lord, for us to hear a word from God. And I'm believing, you know, this uh, time that we have uh, every day at lunch from Monday noon to one, through Friday, noon to one, every lunch, uh, noon hour this week, Monday through Friday, uh, Father Dave Larley is going to, Dave's a great friend of ours. Uh, Nancy and I'll be riding along in the car and the car phone will ring and it'll be Dave. Hey, I'm just driving down Walnut Hill Lane and the Lord gave me a word for your son and he'll begin to prophesy and begin to share. And uh, we said, look, Dave, write that down and send that to me so we can send it to him. And I'm telling you, it's been accurate. It's been amazing. Guy has a tremendous gift to prophesy and to minister. And so he may look stuffy with a collar. I'm, I'm thinking he probably won't wear his collar here. But let me tell you something. That guy is a powerful man of God. It's going to be fantastic. Monday night, Paul Mason's going to be here. Paul is from Seguin, Texas. Anybody ever been to Seguin, Texas? Yeah, it's just a little town, right? It's the fastest, one of the fastest growing churches in America there. And, uh, you know, with Elon Musk and all that moving in there, people moving in there from California, it's amazing what God is doing with that guy. And so he's going to be here Monday night, and so it's exciting to hear him. Tuesday night, be Chris McRae from Sojourn Church. Chris 
we'll probably have to repaint the auditorium after he leaves because he'll preach the paint right off the walls. I mean, the guy's just phenomenal and has a phenomenal gift. Wednesday night, Nancy has gathered three female voices in our church to preach the word to us. And I believe in that the word is going to be preached in such a way that you won't want any sin left in your life when they get through. Right? Yeah, so it's going to be exciting. Jane, are you ready for that? I hear you're going to be up here. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Brandy, Nancy, who else? Ginger Carmen. I mean, so it's going to be fantastic on Wednesday night. Thursday, Jurgen Matessis is going to be here with us from San Diego. One of the, again, one of the fastest growing churches in America. Amazing voice in the body of Christ. He's been here every year for the past five or six years, and we love him and are glad to be hearing from him. And then finally, Jake Sweetman. Jake is one of uh, the churches in the C3 movement in North America that's really doing some significant things for God. He's a young guy. He's tattooed up, pierced up, but he can preach up too, boy. He is fantastic. So we got a great, great week for you. It's going to be super uh, cool, I think, and something you're really going to enjoy. But more than that, I think it's going to be something that's going to really establish you this year in your faith. I mean, something to anchor you this year as you move into 2023. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's the promise. That's the promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, this can be done individually, but there's something special that happens when we do it corporately. When we draw near to God corporately, there are more gifts present. There's more um, differing uh, points of view, differing ethnicities, differing backgrounds, differing vocations. But when we all come together in unity, drawing near to God, making Him really the focal point of our life, something special happens in the group dynamic. And so if we'll draw near to God, the Bible says he'll draw near to us. He'll draw near to us. Now, I've preached on that verse a lot. I remember a couple of weeks ago, our grandchildren were up here from Houston. And the six-year, we have, they have three girls and one boy. So the girls are 10, 8, 6, and then we have a two-year-old uh, grandson. And so the six-year-old, her name's Birdie. And Birdie was here, and rather than going to children's church like all the other, uh, the other three did, she decided she was going to stay in and take notes. She was sitting with her other grandmother from Austin, Mama C., and they were sitting together, and I was preaching a series on Advent and talking about love. And the first major point that I made, this groundbreaking major point, is that God loves you. The moment I said that, she turned to her grandmother and she said, that's no surprise. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and uh, her grandmother graciously looked at her and said, well, honey, there may be some people here that never have heard that before, that don't know that. And she was listening, listening to her grandmother. And when grandmother got through, she kind of sat up in her seat. She looked all the way around the auditorium. She said, Mama C, I'm pretty sure in this church, everybody knows God loves them. And, uh, and she, she was just saying, basically, uh, Joe, what you're doing is you're being Captain Obvious. And so I don't want to be Captain Obvious this morning, but I want to share the simple path of really getting our hearts aligned and getting ourselves ready for an encounter with Jesus making ourselves ready for an encounter with Jesus. 
How do we draw near to God and make ourselves ready for an encounter with the Lord? Because that's what I'm praying for, an encounter with God. Well, one way, the first way I want to talk to you about is through prayer and fasting. Through prayer and fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that's been endorsed and practiced by the church since before the time of Jesus. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that's been around for a long time, and it's not just a Christian thing. Fasting is, uh, is an endorsed Christian activity that really causes us to take our attention off, food, off natural food and put our attention on spiritual food. Fasting is the deliberate and voluntary abstinence from food or some activities for a spiritual purpose. Here's what we've learned over the last several years, that fasting does not change God's disposition towards us. It doesn't. It changes our disposition towards God. Fasting doesn't get God to speak. Say, boy, I just need a word from God, and so if I fast, God will speak to me. No, no, God's already speaking to you. You just can't hear him. Fasting will just clean your spiritual ears out so that you can hear him. So fasting doesn't get God to speak. Fasting gets us in position to hear what God is already saying. And so it's really, really important. The purpose of prayer and fasting is to prepare our hearts for an encounter with God. One word from God can change the trajectory of your life. One word from God can change your perspective on whatever difficulties you may be going through. One word from God can comfort you where no, nothing in the earth and no one has ever been able to comfort you. And so the purpose of prayer and fasting is to prepare our hearts to encounter the living God. And we humble ourselves by subordinating our life and our schedule to join our spiritual family to seek the Lord. So humbling ourselves comes as we subordinate. What does that mean? Is that we put on a lower priority, the highest priority, that one week out of 52 weeks a year, I belong to a church that consecrates a whole week to spend time with God. And so as we subordinate our schedule, subordinate our meals, and subordinate our life, just a tiny bit. It's not, this is not... This is not fighter pilot stuff. This is, this is a lot easier than that. But as we subordinate our lives and humble ourselves and join in with our family to seek the Lord, we draw near to him. He comes near to us. And we begin to hear again. It reminds us that we're part of a spiritual family. It refocuses us on eternal priorities rather than earthly priorities. It reconnects us to God and to one another, and it renews us so that we can rejoice together. And so it's really, really an important time. There's a plan that we have this week. It's pretty simple. We start tonight at 6 o'clock. So this morning, I'm just getting you ready for the start, okay? Getting you prepared for the start. We, we start tonight at 6 o'clock. And here's what I want to ask you to do from tonight at 6 until we're through on Friday night, I want you to press pause on your obsession. Yeah, those that are obsessed with sports, those who are obsessed with social media, those who are obsessed with the news, just press pause. 
That's all I'm asking you to do. Just press pause this week. And that the Holy Spirit would put something in your heart that the moment you took the press off of it, you'd be convicted and put it right back on. Yeah. And, and so I want you to pause. Pause your obsession with sports, social media, news, whatever it is that you do. Number two, I want you to fast. Fast at least, and this morning I said at least one meal a week. Man, everybody was hip-hop and hoping high. It was awesome. And then I corrected myself and said, no, no, once a day. Once a day. And these are the minimum things. And that you would fast at least one meal Monday, one meal on Tuesday, one meal on Wednesday, one meal on Thursday, one meal on Friday. We've made it really easy for you. That instead of sitting down to eat, you can come here during the noon hour and stand up and eat some spiritual food. Or you can come at night and be with us and miss that meal. So just one meal a day that you're fasting. And if you want more, that's great. Some people have already told me, you know, I'm going to be doing water only for six days. And I thought, good for you. That's awesome. Let me know how that goes after six days. <laughs> if I did water only for six days, I'd be on a gurney in here preaching on Friday night. It might not be a bad idea, huh? Yeah. Number three, I want you to read. Read your Bible. And what I want to encourage you to do is read the entire book of Acts. The entire book of Acts. And so remind yourself as you read it, this is the kind of church life that we long for. The supernatural interaction of God, the planting of churches, the making of disciples, the the growth and the multiplication of uh, believers. And so participate. Uh, read your Bible through the book of Acts. Number four is participate. Participate at the noon hour, Monday through Friday, with Father Dave Larley. I'll be here. Nancy will be here. We'll be here. Staff will be here. But I'm just believing we're going to take communion together. We're going to pray together. He's going to prophesy. And I'm hoping and believing for that every person who comes gets a word from God, an encounter with God. Number five, attend each evening service. It starts at 6 tonight, 7 o'clock on Monday through Friday. And the people that are coming are not just, well, gosh, who can we get to come? Let me think about it. No, we prayed and said, God, show us, help us. We, we have the resources to be able to invite anybody in the country in. Who do you want here? And I believe we have a lineup of people that will not only encourage you, but will inspire you for the coming year. So attend. Number uh, six is give, is give. I'm happy to report that the Trinity Church is healthy financially. But I'm also challenged to say that there are many members of the church that are not healthy financially. And I want to encourage you that God has a breakthrough. It's the, hey, the time has come to come out of financial difficulty, financial problems this year. I, I just believe this year is, a, is a, going to be a great year of freedom for so many of you financially. It begins with you giving all that you have to the Lord. That's how it begins. And realizing that none of that belongs to you, that you're a steward of all of it. And so I just want to encourage you to be thinking about the best and most sacrificial seed that you can make. Not that the church needs a lot of money. No, it's just that you need a breakthrough. And so the amount is not the important thing. What's the important thing is the heart that gives it. 
And so I want to encourage you in that, and we will be encouraging you. And finally, we believe that we should pray until something happens. It's an acronym, PUSH, that we make a push in prayer. Here's what I've noticed about uh, folks, and many times when folks are going through a difficult time, they have a hard time just defining exactly what they want God to do. And if you're confused on your prayer, what you're praying for God to do, you're not likely to find the answer to your prayers. And so I want to break through that confusion, and I want to just nail it down with every person. What are you asking God to do for you in 2023? What are you asking God to uh, Dennis, you probably got the word over there. You got the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you asking God to do? And so we want to, we want to define that and to pray through that and believe for a great thing. Amen? Great. So I want to just briefly just share with you from 1 Samuel chapter 16 today. This is not going to be a long message because I want you to go home, rest, and get excited about the week. But as I uh, spent two or three days this week out in the country, a friend of mine owns a ranch out in the country. I just went out, hung out out there, and just, just uh, prayed, sought the Lord, enjoyed the nature, and prepared for, for tonight and uh, this week, uh, I felt like the Lord kept speaking this phrase over and over and over. You need to develop, the Lord is speaking to me, develop a heart that runs after God. Develop a heart that runs after God. You see, God's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. And we want our heart to be sensitive to God. And when we see God's work and God's activity, that we would run to it, that we would run to Him. You know, the day of just being independent and uh, having all the self-reliance, you know, working in our behalf, that day is coming to an end. We, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. And, and so we want to develop a heart a heart that runs after God. A heart that runs after God. You think about that whole idea of running. Uh, you know, you, those people who run, I used to be a runner, but those people who run, uh, you know, they train daily or weekly. And, uh, and they train by, a lot of times just by jogging. So you can jog after God if you want to. Uh, you know, now my running is, has been a, a fast-paced walk, and you, you can do that if you want to. Some people have to sprint after God. Uh, some people just watch other people run after God. But whatever your pace, I'm believing that this year will be the year that your heart runs after God, that it runs after God. And, uh, and, and so I want to read you a story here from 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 16 that will encourage you in that. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now, you have to have the context because it goes back several chapters in this book. And uh, Samuel was, of course, the son of Hannah. And, uh, and so when we dedicate children here, we mention that, word in 1 Samuel so many times because Samuel was a very special prophet of the Lord, and he was raised uh, in the temple uh, under the chief priest, Eli. 
And so uh, he now has become the, uh, a prophet to Israel. And, uh, and so the, the children of Israel all wanted to have a, 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 a king. So uh, Samuel was called forth to, to, to uh, set in uh, this king, King Saul. King Saul was a, he was a tall, good-looking, athletic uh, guy. He looked regal in all of his ways, but he had a problem. The problem was his character, that he was more afraid of the people than he was of God. He respected more what they said than what God said. And so uh, Saul and his armies uh, went to take a, a town of the Amalekites, and, uh, and when they got over there, God spoke to him and said, I want you to annihilate the city. I want you to kill everybody in it and everything in it, all the livestock, everything, because this is not good, what, what's going on here. And so he went over there, he took the city, but instead of killing everything, he brought back the best of the sheep, the best of the goats, and the best of the cattle, and then he brought back the king. That guy's name was Agag, Agag. And so he brought back all this, and Samuel confronts him. What is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear and the lowing of the cattle that I hear? Don't you realize God said for you to take, kill them all? And Saul said, but we brought back the best of the cattle and the best of the sheep and the best of the goats in order to sacrifice them to the Lord here. And we brought back the king of uh, Agag. And Samuel looks at him and said, don't you know that God is not so interested in your sacrifices as he is in your obedience. And because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, your kingdom is coming to an end. Bring out Agag. And so Saul and his guys brought Agag out. And there in front of the whole armies of Israel, Samuel, the great prophet, pulls his sword out of its holster and chops Agag up into pieces. Now, the reason I said all that, and I didn't make any of that up, came straight out of the Bible. The reason I said all that is say this, Samuel, bad to the bone. I mean, he was walking with God, speaking for God, and doing the will of God, and he took care of this issue with Saul. But here, one chapter later, the Lord says to Samuel, this is the same Samuel that hacked up Agag. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Quit crying about Saul. His day is done. His reign is over. Fill your horn with oil and go. For I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I've provided myself a king among his sons. So I've got somebody, my eye already on some. And this one before... The people chose him. The one that's coming, I'm choosing. I'm choosing. So he says, I provided myself a king among his sons. So Samuel says, how can I go? For Saul here, hears it, he'll kill me. Now this is the same guy that hacked up Agag. And all of a sudden, he's scared of Saul. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I name to you. 
So Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. And they said, do you come peaceably? <laughs> These guys are scared to death. The news of him hacking up Agag has traveled fast. And has already got to Bethlehem. Said, exactly what's your business here, boss? What did you come for? Did you come peaceably? Said, yes, I came peaceably to sacrifice the Lord. So sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. So he consecrated Jesse. That word consecrated is a real uh, big word to make a real simple truth. Set Jesse aside for the work that God has for him. So he says, so he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. Now, remember, Jesse has no idea that among his sons is the future king of Israel. All right, all he knows is he's doing, going to a sacrifice. And, and so Samuel, the prophet, knows that one of these sons is the king, and he's waiting on God to show him which one. So it was, verse 6, that when they came, that he looked at Eliab. Eliab's the oldest of eight brothers, eight sons, eight brothers. He's the oldest. He's the heir apparent. He's the smartest. He's the best looking. He's also a captain in the Lord's army. He has people that report to him. He, he's the man. You know, we have a phrase, you know, you the man, he's the man. He's the man. But it turns out, maybe not quite. So, <clears throat> So he consecrated, looked at Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Sammy said, This has got to be the one. This has got to be the guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In this very moment, Right now, right this second, God is looking into each one of our hearts individually. He knows the status of our hearts. He knows what's going on with us. He knows what we're thinking about. He knows the burdens that we carry, the fears that we have, the anxieties that we have. He knows all that stuff. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking looking for a man, looking for a woman, looking for somebody whose heart will be loyal to him. That's it. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter what their sex is. It doesn't matter uh, what their uh, pedigree is, what family they came from, what church they go to, if they've never been to church ever. He doesn't matter if they're a servant in the house or the head of the house. It, none of that matters to him. All he's looking for is a heart that's loyal to him. A heart that's loyal to God. And when we come this week to be together, to, to, to seek the Lord, it's God who's going to be looking at our hearts, and it's our desire that we'd have an encounter with Him, that we might be changed by Him and become more like Him. So He says, don't, don't look at this guy's appearance. It's not about what you're wearing. Don't, it's, it's not about your hairstyle. It's not about the jewelry that you have on. It's not about what color your Bible is and if it matches your outfit or not. It's none of that. God's not looking at the outward appearance. He's looking 
at the heart. The Bible says that the Lord does not see as a man sees. We're impressed with the outward appearance. But God's not impressed with the outward appearance. He's impressed with a heart that's loyal to him. He does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So Jesse calls the next one, Aminadab. Aminadab is the number two son. Aminadab is the number two son. And so he made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. It's not the number one son, nor is it the number two son. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Shammah's the number three son. You think in this one, number one child, number two child, number three child, they have three totally different personalities. Surely one of them would be regal enough that he might be king. But neither would the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, it's none of them. Now, you got to think in that moment, Samuel's a little confused. Lord, you brought me here to make a sacrifice in order that I might choose the one that you've anointed to be king. And here you said they would be Jesse's sons, and none of these guys have you picked. So let me ask you a question. Samuel says to Jesse, are all the young men here? Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep, the baby, the baby of the family, the one who's the most troubled the one who gets in the most trouble, the one who you would never suspect because he's not the number one. He's not the heir apparent. He's the youngest. He's the baby. He's out there keeping the sheep. So Samuel says to Jesse, send and bring him in here, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he's the man. He's the man. The other guys, they weren't the man. But this guy, he's the man. So everybody in here, get up, and we're going to anoint him. Now, the everybody that was in the room when that happened were his brothers. And this is the baby. And you know they got to be saying, you got to be kidding me. Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. <clears throat> and in that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, this is a big event in the Bible right here. This is a big event in the Bible because there's three things here. There's multiple things here, but three things I want to point out that David did to make himself ready. David was a participant. He wasn't just a spectator, but he was a participant in what God was doing in his day. And so these three things David did to make himself ready for an encounter with God. The first thing he did was this. He determined to be a son to his father. Even though he was the baby, even though that he had the worst job, even though that he was left out, some people say that it's possible that David could have been illegitimate. That's the reason he wasn't called with the first seven. It's the reason he was left in the field. 
I don't know that that's true or not, but I know that feeling that he must have had of being illegitimate because when the big prophet came to town, when he called all the family out, they left David up on the hill taking care of a few little sheep. But he determined that even though he was disrespected, he was going to be a son to his father. And brothers and sisters, that's the first stopping place right there is that we have to determine that we are going to be children of God. That we're going to put aside all of the other differences, all the other issues, all the other injustices, all that stuff, and we're going to say, regardless of the injustice I feel by being left up here on the hill to take care of these few little sheep while the man of God is down there, regardless of that, I'm still a son in this house. I'm still a daughter to the king of kings. And so he determined to be a son to his father. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these, they are the sons of God. And so when you choose to be led by the Spirit of God, you do that out of a self-determination that you're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter. Because that's what sons and daughters do. They're led by the Spirit of God. And so the first thing that David did to make himself ready is he determined that he was going to be a son to his father. The second was is that he determined he was going to be a faithful servant. In Luke chapter 16, uh, Jesus said, if you've not been faithful in what belongs to another man, then how are you going to be faithful to what God gives you? If you can't even be faithful with what belongs to someone else, then how in the world can you expect God to give you something? David determined, though those sheep belonged to his dad, sheep belonged to his family, though he felt maybe a little disrespected because he was out there on his own, he determined that he was going to be faithful with what he had. We find out in the next chapter that he tells Saul, right before he goes down to fight Goliath, he tells Saul, he said, I've been faithful with my dad's flock. Sometimes the lion would come to pick up a, a, a lamb, and I would fight and kill the lion. Other times the bear would come, and I would fight and kill the bear. I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, and I can kill this giant who's cursing the armies of the living God. He determined to be a faithful servant. And finally... He determined to be patient and wait on his promotion. Hebrews 6.12 says, Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here's what I believe. In 2023, there's promotion coming for you. There's promotion coming for you. Maybe it's not the ultimate promotion. Maybe it's not the end of all promotions in your life, but th hey, this time next year, you're going to be in a better place than you are this year. Let me say it again. This time next year, you will be in a better place than you are right now. You really will be. But the thing that David did to make his heart ready for that is he decided he'd be patient right where he was, that he would be faithful right where he was, and that he would be someone who would glory in being a child of God, a son to his father. So if you want to make yourself ready for an encounter with God this week, I encourage you on those three lines. Remind yourself 
that you're a child of God, that you trust him, that he's a good father, that God is good, the Bible says, and he does, and he does good. Just remind yourself, you're a child, that you're going to be led by the Spirit of God. And wherever the Lord takes you, whatever the Lord asks of you, whatever the Lord speaks to you about, rather than sacrifice, you just obey. You just obey. Determine that you're going to be a faithful servant. Many of you here work for companies. You work for people. You, you have, maybe you have a company. Maybe you have a business. Maybe you're a school teacher, a nurse, banker. All those things belong to someone else. You're a steward of them, no matter what place you're at. I mean, if you're the president of the bank or you're the newest teller, you still are managing someone else's business, someone else's money. Determine and make sure that you're going to be a good steward of what belongs to others, what's been given to you. See, at the end of the day, everything that I have belongs to God. If you don't believe that, then find out what happens when you die. You don't take any of that with you. It belongs to God, and he just gives it to somebody else. It's over. All we got is our heart, right? And finally, determine you're going to be patient. You're going to be patient. You're going to wait on that promotion that's coming for you. And you're going to imitate those who, through faith and patience faith and patience inherited the promises that God had for him. Inherited. Brett and Cheryl, will you stand up, please? I've been praying for you specifically. This last two or three days, I've been out trying to get a word from God and trying to get myself ready for tonight and this week and then next week's I preached. Many times, not more than two or three, many times the Lord brought you to my mind. And I've been praying for you that this is the season for you guys to break through. You've been restrained. You've been pushed all about. You've been, I mean, some just, you've been involved in some, some warfare and some stuff that's going on. And, uh, and part of all that struggle that you've been through is because the hand of God is on your life. It's on your life. So make this determination. I'm a child of God no matter what happens. I'm in it. I'm in it no matter what happens, no matter what happens. I'm going to be faithful with the little that I got no matter what happens. And I'm going to be patient because promotion and breakthrough is coming. It's coming. Would you extend your hands to these two guys, please? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Brett and Cheryl. I thank you for their life, Lord. I thank you, Father, that this is the last, the last year has just passed of trouble. And, Lord, that there's blessing and honor coming their way in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Father, for a reworking of their thought life. I thank you, God, that you're going to make a way where there is no way. I thank you, Lord, that blessing is coming to them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Now, look, what, if you're not familiar with what I just did, that's called the ministry of prophecy. And if you'll come Monday through Friday at lunchtime, maybe you've got to give you a word, too. All right? That'd be okay. Are you glad you came today? Yes. How about you out there in TV land? Are you glad you came today? Good. I'm glad you came too. Let's all stand together. Say this with me. One week out of 52 weeks in a year, 
it'll be okay if I set this week apart. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you hear yourself? Yeah, do you hear yourself? It'd be okay. Tonight at six o'clock we start. Be some extended praise and worship. Be some ministry. It'll be the Word of God. We got great, I mean, we got a big blow-up stuff coming for the kids. We got pizza coming for the kids. You bring them, man. Hey, you bring them, we'll clean them. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And I'm telling you, the trajectory of some of your lives is going to change. In Jesus' name. If you take both hands, put them in the air like this, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great afternoon. See you tonight at 6. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.